Well, hey, everybody, and a welcome back to Victory Life Church Online as we continue the series entitled Peculiar, having a look at how we have been called to be different, how we have been called to be a peculiar people, a priesthood, a royal priesthood for God's work and for His holiness. We're looking forward as you journey with us in the room and you journey with us at home. Let's just pray together, and then we'll jump into this week's message. Father, we just thank you that we can come together from wherever we are in the world. We can change our lives based on what you're about to teach us and know that that change will always be for the good. So, Father, we ask and pray that we put aside our stubbornness, we put aside our busyness, and we just get stuck into what you have to teach us today so we can make the changes that you long for us to have so that we can be people who walk out worshiping you in abundance glorifying your holiness. We pray this now in Jesus' name. And people all around the world said, amen and amen. Well, as I mentioned, we in the middle of this series entitled Peculiar, and we have been called to be different. We've been called to do things very, very differently. And as we have a look at the, the, the concept behind this, we find the concept in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. It says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. We are chosen. We are peculiar. We have been called forth. We have been made different. We have been set aside. This thought concept means that if we have been set aside by God, if we've been pushed aside and set aside well, then there's something that we need to be peculiar from. There's something that we need to be different from. We can't be conforming to Romans chapter 12 the way the world does things. We have to be doing it the way God has called us to do things. And we had a look that last week when we discussed this peculiar kind of faith that we have in the midst of trials. We had a look at the story of Peter, who in the midst of the tribulation, in the midst of the persecution from government and from what was going on in that area, Nero, burning Rome, and all sorts of things happening around him. In the midst of that difficulty, he was able to face trials knowing that God didn't cause the hurt, God didn't cause the trial, God didn't cause the issue, but he was going to use the hurt, he was going to use the issue for good. And so because we know that God can take those hurts, concerns, issues, and difficulties that we're going through and turn them into good, we approach trials and tribulations with a peculiar kind of faith. Most, peop most people will run away when the difficulty hits. Most people will run away when things start getting difficult. But we can approach the difficulties of life, the concerns of life, with a very different kind of approach. We have a peculiar, a different kind of faith. We learned that our faith is not shallow. Our faith is not conditional. Our faith is not something that we use and abuse whenever we want to. No, our faith is peculiar. It's deeply embedded in the knowledge that God is in control and He is working for the good in all things. So this week, we're going to unpack the concept of the Scripture a little bit more, that when we say we need to be peculiar, when we say that we need to be different, well, it's actually based on that thought in that scripture in 1 Peter 2 verse 9, which says that we are not of this world. 
because the world is not ours and we are not of this world, we are called to be different. The world will have you be part of them. The world really wants you to think like everybody thinks, to do like everybody does, to speak like everybody does. If it can get you to conform to its way of doing things, if Satan the devil can get you to look at the life through the lens of the world, he's going to get you to be objecting to the things of God. So the world wants you to be part of. It wants you to conform. But we are being called out of this world, and we have been called peculiar, 1 Peter 2 and verse 9. When we have a look, though, at 1 Peter 1, and we're going to read from verse 13 to set ourselves up for today's message, when we see that we have been not just called to be different, but we've been called not just to not conform, but to be being called to be holy. Have a look at what it says in 1 Peter 1, 13 to 17. And we really are going to dwell in this scripture today. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. Have a listen to this. As obedient children, do not conform to what? to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners, here in reverent fear. In some translation that speaks about live out your lives as temporary residents. We are not of this world. We have been called not to conform to it, not to think like it. Remember it said there in 1 Peter, it said, do not conform to the evil desires, the evil thoughts that you had before you believed in Jesus. So the scripture really starts helping us understand that we really have to be different. It's not just we go to church on a Sunday morning when everybody else sleeps in. It's not just we read our Bible while everybody else reads the bestseller. No, it's genuinely deep-seated, holy difference. It's not just, well, we're not going to give in to certain pressures. We're going to be honest when everyone else is dishonest. No, deep down, we are to have a totally different belief structure. We are to have a totally different, holy understanding of how we're going to walk out our lives. Sadly, many Christians believed in some good before they believed in Jesus and then just added what they believed before they believed in Jesus to Jesus' teachings. Uh, you might be going, what, what, what did you just say? When we have a look at it, there's certain intrinsic good principles that are impressed upon us even before we believed in Jesus. I, I don't know about you, but I never thought that murder was good even before I believed in Jesus. I, I knew that murder was wrong. There's some intrinsic good in me that's impressed upon me before I believe in Jesus, before I accept Jesus Christ. I believe that, that helping my fellow man is a good thing. I believe that my happiness is important. I believe that joy was something I, I really liked in my life. And when I, I, I had all of these thoughts and beliefs I started adding what Jesus said about those things to my repertoire as I became more and more convinced of Jesus in my life. And at the end of the day, sadly, some Christians can't differentiate what they 
kind of believed before Jesus and what's deep-seated entrenched in Jesus' teachings. Oh, I'm a good kind of person, and you were good maybe before Jesus. Jesus just made you better. He didn't make you good. He didn't make goodness. He didn't make you righteous. He just makes me better. So we add on to our pre-Jesus belief structure. And sometimes when we add on and we, we just merge together, things can get a bit blurry. Is it my human psyche or is it Jesus' teachings? Is it the holiness of God or is it my selfishness to be happy that's driving me? Maybe I'm the only one in the, in the room or in the, on the broadcast today that's thinking like this. But sometimes I even get confused. Well, is that me talking or is that God talking? Is that my voice in my head or is that Jesus is speaking in my life? And I get confused between what I'm thinking in my own psyche and what Jesus is trying to make me think. Romans chapter 12 says, I must have the mind of Jesus, not my mind and Jesus's together. It's not just some shaken together and stirred thing. I need to differentiate because my thoughts are not always holy. My thoughts are not always peculiar. My thoughts are not always righteous. But Jesus's thoughts, Jesus's mind, Jesus's way of doing things, these things are really, really holy. They are genuinely real and are righteous. I can't ever blur the righteousness of God, but sometimes I can get confused in my own thinking of what is righteous and what is not. And so today's message is really having a look at what is it that we believe? Has it been blurred by the world, by our own thinking? Have we kind of just kind of brought our belief structure into this homogenous pot of, of goodness and righteousness and I'm a good person? Or are we really believing? Are we really standing out as a holy, peculiar people? The greatest obstacle to genuinely knowing the holiness of Jesus Christ is our desire to fit in with this world. What do I mean by that? I'm not talking about peer pressure at a high school or peer pressure at college. No, we have become so desirous of fitting in with the world that we've even started adopting some of the world's thought processes and putting scriptures to them. We've even begun adopting things like the concept of all accepting, everything's okay, everybody can believe whatever they want to believe, and we take that worldly, gray thought process and we attach grace to it. Oh, I can do whatever I like. I'm, I'm good. I just, as long as I'm happy, I can be saying and doing whatever I want to be because God will always forgive me. We take our behavior and making ourselves feel good and everything's okay, and we attach it to a biblical concept of forgiveness. Well, if I just give, I'll be prosperous. I'm, I'm, I'm blessed. I, I just need to, I can use my money however I want to. God has blessed me. And we take our selfishness and our materialism and we attach it to a concept of prosperity. And slowly but surely, we try and blend our holiness into being accepted by the world. And in the end, our holiness is no longer holy. Our peculiarity is no longer peculiar. We have this inherent desire to fit in. And as a result, we lose track with what Jesus desires for us. I'm not talking about being accepted by 
people in your life. I'm talking about blending in the philosophies of this world so that we can fit in. And we can see it in its simplest way when we're talking to friends, when we're talking to people who might think differently to the holy principles of God, when we're talking to people who, who lean towards other understandings. Do you sometimes find yourself just saying what you, what you believe just to fit in with what they're saying? Or do you find yourself genuinely standing up for the holy principles of God? When, we, when we're talking to other people and they put forward a philosophy that is kind of close to Scripture, but it's not quite what God had in mind, and do we find ourselves just nodding our heads and saying, yes, that's what I believe? Or do we start finding ourselves clinging to the holy principles of what Jesus has taught us? God didn't create you to fit in with the philosophies of the world. God didn't create you to be lukewarm, Revelation Scripture applies. God didn't create you to try and navigate the murkiness of philosophies of the world. No, He created you to be holy. He created you to be different. He created you to be set aside. Your desire should never ever be to fit in with the philosophies of this world. You have been set apart. You have been made different. You have been made to be peculiar. You have been made to be holy. It's crazy, though, that we have this desire to fit in with the world. It's crazy that we have this thought process that we have to adopt the world's philosophies and try and blend them in as much as possible with the Holy Word of God because we want people to accept us and what we believe, so we accept what they believe into the holy principles of God. It's crazy that we want that because if we look at the philosophies of the world, if we look at the product of the philosophies of the world, there are broke people, there are hurting people, there are stressed people, there's broken marriages, there's broken families, there's people that are afraid, there's people that are anxious, and all of that is not the product of trying to be holy, that's the product of trying to fit in with the philosophies of the world. The world's philosophies are not producing the kind of joy and happiness that the holiness of God can produce. And it's crazy that we can look at that and still be attracted to wanting to fit in with that. Why is that? Because God calls what it is plain and simple. He says, joy is joy, and this is what joy is. Satan will take the word happiness and turn it into a nine-to-five job where you're earning good money. That's happiness. God doesn't ever misrepresent his philosophies. He doesn't ever misrepresent his theologies. It is what it is with God. But Satan will take the terrible thing of being too busy and make you desire that because that means that you needed. That means that you have a purpose. That means that you're making an impact if you're too busy. Anxious means that you have a high-stress job and you're in demand. It just doesn't work like that. It, it's, it's not producing the genuine qualities that God's holiness can produce in our lives. And so it's weird that even knowing that the world doesn't have good things to offer, that we're still so sold out to accepting and trying to blend in the philosophies with God's holiness. Jesus said that wide is the road and broad is the path that leads to destruction, but small is the gate and narrow the road. You see, we are set aside to seek out the holy course. 
It's not going to be the road most trodden. It's not going to be the path often taken. It's going to be the path that has been set aside, that is smaller, less people find it. Narrow is that road and small the gate. Jesus is not about presentation. Jesus is not about accepting philosophies just to fit in and look good. Jesus' philosophies and theologies and his teachings will change you. It's going to put you through, like Peter and Nero, it's going to put you through some persecution. Because Jesus is not about the outward display, he's about the inward change. The world is all about the outward display, no matter what's happening on the inside. Jesus is all about the inward change. I think of a, of a story with myself before Jesus, man, I could cuss. I would, I would really, really, I really know how to swear and cuss. And even though I stopped cussing when I accepted Jesus on the outside, I would stop saying the cuss word. I would often catch myself still thinking the cuss word. I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm just weird, but, but maybe you at home, you know what I'm talking about. You, you don't say it, but you think it. You don't necessarily say those hurtful words, but you think those hurtful thoughts. And Jesus isn't worried as much about the hurtful words as he is about the hurtful thoughts. Because he knows that if he can change you on the inside and you can stop thinking those hurtful thoughts, that you'll stop saying the hurtful words. The world, on the other hand, doesn't care what's happening on the inside, whether you do have joy, whether you genuinely have happiness. No, it just wants you to put on the front of being good, the front of being happy, the front of being prosperous, even though all of the anxiety, stress, and depression is eating away at you on the inside. Jesus wants you to be rectified, to be changed, to be made whole on the, mat, on the inside. And that's why his belief and being holy to his teachings and being set aside as a holy people is so important. It's not just a front of change, it's genuine change. It's genuinely being different. To go back to that scripture in 1 Peter 1 and verse 14 to 16, it says this, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. If we begin to think what the world is trying to teach you to live your life by, it, what's the standard? If you think about it, the world will tell you if you're not happy with something, go and do something else. Happiness to the world is pretty important. It, it's kind of a standard. It's the, it's the thermometer by which we are to take certain decisions. And we sometimes make these decisions, whether it's the right decision or not, based on our current sense of being happy or not. God didn't in that scripture call you to be happy. He called you to be holy in all you do. In that scripture, he didn't say that you need to be happy in all that you do. He asked you to be holy in all that you do. The world has this philosophy that God's highest calling, God's highest job, the biggest thing that the Lord can do, the, the most important thing that the Lord needs to be doing is making you happy. That's God's highest calling according to the world. God's highest calling for you is not your happiness, but your holiness. 
being set aside from these murky philosophies of the world that's only going to bring you detriment. God's highest calling for you is not your happiness, but your holiness. Now, you might be caught up in this theology of happiness. Take a look at what will happen if you get caught up in this theology of being right with everybody, being happy with everybody, being outwardly good, being, being outwardly happy. Take a look at what happens when we chase this theology of happiness. The theology of happiness empowers personal justification. What do I mean by that? Well, how many times have we possibly taken a decision that's not the right decision, but we've done it under the guise, under the banner of saying, it will help with my happiness. If I get this, then I will be happy. How many of us sometimes have heard people say, well, I got out of my marriage because it was an unhappy marriage. Just because the marriage is unhappy, now we want to get out. Just because buying something new is going to make me happy, even though we can't afford it and we're going to get into debt, well, then we buy it anyway because it's going to help with my happiness. You see, the world is taking a philosophy of happiness, of joy from the scriptures, is mixing it up in an unholy, ungodly way and delivering it back to us, helping, making us believe that it's of God. God will have me have this motor vehicle because it's going to make me happy. God wants me to get out of my marriage because it's going to make me happy. God doesn't want me to do this or wants me to do that because it's going to affect my happiness. Happiness is not the gauge in which we live our lives by. Holiness is. The world wants you to try and live your life according to your levels of happiness. Here in the United States, it's got so hectic that the more debt I get into, the more debt I can get into. The more debt I have to pay off, the higher my credit score and the more debt I can get into. And all it plays on is getting you things that will make you temporarily happy. A fleeting moment, this fleeting gratification. It actually rewards your desire to buy things to make you happy. But behind that facade of making you happy is something called debt. One of the highest drivers of suicide worldwide today is money and debt. And the world has trapped you into thinking that I can chase those things because of a godly thing called happiness. And it's not true. It's fake. It's striving after the wind. The theology of happiness will always empower personal justification. But personal justification will always lead to the potential of murring or marring your morals or stepping outside of God's holiness. Since I'm not happy, I'm allowed to do something that would otherwise be wrong. Dating, I, I know that, that we shouldn't be doing this. We shouldn't be this physically entwined. We shouldn't be in a sexual relationship, but it makes us happy. We love each other. It's the right thing. It feels right. Surely God wants us to feel like this. And the world has taken the beauty of the union of marriage and has fed it back to us in a convoluted way, marred and changed and convoluted the whole process of the joy of marriage and given it back to us in the form of broken relationships, hurt, 
premarital sex, unwanted pregnancies, and so on and so forth. When we believe that God wants us to be happy above all else, we won't be able to tolerate that which comes with holiness of God. What do I mean by that? Well, if we want God to be completely sold out to just making us comfortable and happy all the time, well, then we're joining the ranks of the norm because that's what the norm world wants us to do. We must just be happy and comfortable all the time. Well, how many of you know that working in God's holiness isn't always comfortable? Jesus himself walked out the holy decrees of the Father, and that cost him his life. It cost him persecution. It came at a great sacrifice. So when we're chasing the fact of happiness and that God needs to make us happy all the time, discomfort, delay, risk, suffering, they immediately aren't part of God's will in our lives. We immediately stand up and say, well, if God isn't delivering this right now, he doesn't even exist. We become so sold out to our own comfort, our own happiness, that we don't see what God is doing big picture. Delay and discomfort are not something that we're willing to tolerate. And we've even got so haughty about our own philosophies and our own teachings that we will say that God doesn't exist if we've put through any trials. Or God's causing it if we put through any trials. It couldn't just be that it's a narrow gate and a road not taken that's causing the difficulty, that's causing the persecution. It couldn't just be that because you're speaking out the true holiness of God, that the world around you is objecting and causing issue for you. No, we jump to other conclusions. We, we, we try and create an environment where if God is there, there must be happiness and comfort. We've defined the holiness of God. We've defined what he says our philosophy and theology should be. Understand this, that walking out the holiness of God will create discomfort in your life. There will be delay. Sometimes God's timing is not our timing. There will be risk. There will be suffering. And that is all part of God's will. He doesn't cause the suffering. He doesn't cause the issues. But sometimes in working those things out correctly, properly, thoroughly, without the facade of the world, God needs some time. God needs to have us walk through some challenges, have some difficult conversations, refine and grow in that instance. I really believe that this is one of the reasons why faith as a supernatural gift to the Christian church is, on the, on the, is waning because we're not willing anymore to take risk because that might affect our happiness. And let me tell you something, walking out in faith is great risk. With great faith comes great challenges. With great faith comes great risk. And because we are a world that's so beset on making sure everybody's comfortable, that's risk-free, that's happy, that's comfort, that's okay, everything's going to be good, that we have lost our ability to take a risk with God and step out in faith. You see, holiness means that there will be challenges. But because we seek the God of comfort, because we seek a God that is always going to make things happy, Without knowing it, we begin to worship false gods of comfort, of money, of pleasure, and of things. God does not exist to serve us. We exist to serve Him. 
And we have been made holy. We have been set apart. We have been made different. And we have been made pure. Following Jesus is going to take courage. Doing it His way is going to take courage. I've often told my children that it's okay to be different. It's good to be different. But the only way we're going to be different, truly different, for all the right reasons, for all the holy reasons, is if we do it following Jesus. It's okay to be different. But it's going to take courage to be different for Jesus. In fact, this world is even now taking being different as a good thing. And they've taken out being different for Jesus. You see, we are different, but when we are holy, we are different for Jesus. We're not just different for the sake of creating a good advertising campaign. 1 Peter 1 and verse 14 says this, So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. <laughs> How many of you know that, that we can slip and fall to sin? It's easy to slip into temptation. But how many of you know that it's physically impossible to slip into holiness? The scripture says don't slip backwards, but that moving forward in holiness is going to mean effort. Being holy doesn't mean that you're going to come become holy overnight. No, holiness is something that comes with discomfort, is something that comes with risk, delay, and suffering. It's not something that comes easily. It is the road not often taken. It's a sneaky, crazy, fine line. The philosophies of this world mixed with the philosophies of Jesus and the holiness of the Father. It's a fine line. And you'll find that the world is slowly but surely, in a sneaky way, insidiously just corroding and eroding your beliefs and your holiness. What you would have tolerated to be watched in your house today is not what you would have tolerated 10 years ago. The kind of language that you allow from your children and your grandchildren 10 years ago is not the kind of language that you would have allowed even 20 years ago. It, it gets worse as we get conditioned to the philosophies of this world. We don't want to be the one that's the stick in the mud and turn the television off. We don't want to be the parents that has internet limitations on our children. We don't want to be the parents that say no to underage social media platforms. We don't want to be the parents that are strict or called strict because that affects our happiness. It affects our comfort. You know what? I've often said to my children that the effort and the courage that we've put in to becoming the family that we've become is well worth it. I don't care if somebody thinks that I'm doing my parenting wrong or I'm doing my parenting right. I just want to do it according to God's holy decrees as a father. Sometimes I get that wrong, but I'd rather be err on the side of holiness than err on the side of the philosophies of the world. You see, God loves grace, and grace can be a very gray thing. But when it comes to doing wrong and doing right with God, it's very clear. There is no gray. But in the world, they try and philosophize everything right. Did God really say you shouldn't do weed, you shouldn't smoke marijuana? Did God really say that I can't live with my girlfriend before we get married? I mean, it, it's so much easier. I get to know each other so much. In fact, our marriage might even be better if we live together before marriage. 
Now you can get into the gray debate around it's my right to live with who I want to. And we can take all of the world's philosophies and try and bring them into Scripture. But really, at the end of the day, Scripture is pretty clear if we're chasing the God of holiness. If we're trying to be peculiar and we're wanting to be different for God's sake, it's going to take effort and it's going to take courage. But the world is sneaky. The world's not running around saying you should become a Satanist and sacrifice chickens. No, but the world is saying is, did God really say? Is it really that bad? And slowly but surely, it's undermining, undermining, undermining. And then one day, we begin reaping what we've been sowing. One day, our children or our grandchildren are in a moral dilemma, are in a catastrophe, because we allowed the world to sneakily come in and rob us of our holiness and put its own philosophies in its place. The world is so sneaky that it's even made its own philosophies seem holy to us. It even makes our moral code, we have to check our very moral code because we automatically think that our morals are good. But sometimes the good morals that we think on the surface are good, when we dig a little deeper, they are driven by hurt, pain, unforgiveness. And then we get stubborn around the good morals. I will never, ever tolerate this kind of behavior. And because we stand on our high moral pedestal, we err on the side of intolerance, judgment, and there's no grace and forgiveness. You see, the world will just sneakily sneak in a philosophy. And we get so confused. We get so wrapped up in our own happiness that we adopt that world's philosophy as gods, and we make it holy in our lives, even though it shouldn't be holy. How many of you know that the world will try and just tweak God's holiness, just tweak his decrees just slightly so that we can be happy and comfortable with them? And before we know it, we're flying far away from the true north of God's genuine, peculiar happiness. It's going to take effort, and it's going to take courage. I'm not that bad. I'm better than a lot of people. A lot of people are not the standard. God's holiness is the standard. Oh, but I'm, I'm so much better than my neighbors. Your neighbors are not the standard. God's holiness is what you are called to reflect. So here's some questions you might find in the notes that you might want to just take down in your personal study. And we're going to be discussing some of these questions on Facebook during the week. Maybe you'd like to ask yourself this question. What are the three areas in my life or two areas or single area in my life right now that I'm really trying to work hard at fitting in? Maybe it's work. Maybe it's that relationship that you're really working hard. In fact, you're working so hard that you've even put down some of God's holy morals in your life to make sure that you fit in. Are there some areas in your life that you're struggling most to fit in with? When was a, a time that you put your happiness above God's call for your holiness? Maybe you've, you've known, you've taken a decision, and you've tried to justify it with your happiness, but at the back of your mind, you know that it wasn't a holy decision. What are the biggest ways that you are really different from the world? I often look at myself and I go, okay, if I had to take an average parent and I had to put that up next to myself, am I really that different? Am I really that peculiar? Am I really that holy in my approach to my kids? Oh, I know I'm different. I know I'm unique, but am I holy? 
Am I looking for God in my parenting? Am I really that different from the average parent in the world? And then finally, a question you might want to ask yourself, what is the area that God genuinely wants you to be different in? Is there an area of your life right now that's a bit gray? You've adopted some of the philosophies of the world. You've brought in some teachings from the Bible, and you've mixed it all together to come up with a theory that enhances your happiness. But God is genuinely calling you to be different in that area. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised you from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and your hope are in God. Why does it matter that we need to be holy? What's in it for me? Quite honestly, if you're asking what's in it for you, you've been tainted by the philosophies of this world. The philosophies of this world will always have you wanting to do something so that you can get something. It's impacted the Christian church. We give because God's going to provide. No, no, we give because we worship God. You see, it's even impacted the way we go to church so that everybody can see I'm going to church. We do this so that everybody, it's, it's a vicious cycle. You see, why do we need to be holy? It's very simple. There's nothing in it for you. It's to honor and worship God. It's because of who he is and because of what he's done that we choose to be holy. I don't have any ulterior motive to becoming holy. Oh, if I'm holy, my life will go better. If I'm holy, no. If I'm holy, I'm honoring God. That's it. The world goes, what do you mean you're not going to get anything out of it? And that's where we start going, well, if I'm holy, then I'm going to be happy. If I'm holy, then I'm going to get this. Yes, all of those things will come to you as blessing for your holy obedience. But God isn't asking you to be holy so that you can get something. He's asking you to be holy so that you can have a relationship and worship Him and be part of His family. Because of who He is and because of what He's done, I want to be holy. You see, this week's message is not about some behavior modification. I'm going to stop living with my girlfriend. I'm going to stop that with that addiction. I'm going to change my behavior. No, being holy is not about behavior. Being holy is about spiritual transformation. It's getting a new understanding of why I need to live out the principles of this life that God has given me rather than adopt the unholy philosophies of the world. Living holy isn't your deeds, isn't the path to knowing Christ. No, knowing Christ is your path to holiness and to living a holy life. Let me say that again. We're not talking about spiritual, sorry, we're not talking about behavior modification. We're talking about spiritual transformation. Because living holy isn't the path to knowing Christ. Knowing Christ is the path to living holy. If you want to try and blend the teachings of this world with the teachings of Jesus, you need to be different. You need to understand that I'm going to go through some spiritual transformation. I'm going to put aside the philosophies of this world, and I'm going to orientate myself completely, wholly, completely focused on the teachings of Jesus. And as a result, my worship 
and my holiness to God will be presented to him. Oh, there's a whole lot of things that will become part of your life that will be blessings. But we don't do that to get something out. No, we do it simply to worship God and honor him with our lives and with our beings. Today, I want to encourage you. Step out. Use those questions to figure out where you need to be a little bit more peculiar for Jesus. I'm not saying walk into the local grocery store and start preaching on a soapbox. That's weird. That's not peculiar. No, I'm talking about in your inner man, in your soul, deep down, have you set your life, have you set your mind, have you set your soul aside so that it can be used by Jesus wholly, completely, different, thinking differently, waking up feeling different, not waking up being told by the world what you feel. No, knowing what God feels for you. That's holy. That's different. That's peculiar. Hey, are you willing in the moment, in the heat of the moment, to push pause and say, you know what? I don't need to take this decision right now. I want to take this decision with God. And there might be a delay. You might even think you lost some things. Hey, hey, there might be a check in that house that you're buying right now. And if you delay, you're going to lose the property. Well, I'd rather take the delay and take the faith risk with God than jump in on my own understanding just to make my situation happier. It's time for us to be the royal priesthood, the holy chosen nation that God has asked us to be. We choose to be different. That's what makes us the chosen nation. We choose to be peculiar. We choose to think differently. We will not just put up a facade of being with God. We will genuinely be the holy people he has called us to be. I truly hope that you got something out of today's message. Hey, why don't you jump in the chat room right now? Share some of those questions. Take those questions out of the notes. Click on the notes tab. Take those questions. Wrestle with them in your quiet time, in your, in your study time this week. Figure out where you are with this blending of the peculiar with the blending of the acceptable. You see, God has called us to be holy, peculiar. The world wants to try and make us happy and acceptable. Where are you? In what situations can you be more holy? In what situations can you honor God and honor the world less? This is the moment where you make a decision to say, I want to be holy. I don't want to just be this blend. I don't want to just be this homogenous pot. No, I want to be different. I want to be peculiar. I want to stand out and stand up for Jesus. Well, thank you for making that decision. If you want to chat about that, if you want to pray about that, click on the banner, click in the chat room. There's some hosts that would love to come alongside you and just celebrate that decision in your life today. Let's pray together, and then we will greet and end today's message. Father, we thank you that you are creating in us a desire to be different, a desire to be completely surrounded by you, pure, clean, and true. Father, we are putting aside the philosophies of this world so that we can be in a holy relationship with you. We don't want to be blended. We don't want to be misguided. We don't want to misjudge. We want to make the right calls at the right time for the right reasons with the right God. Father, we honor you and we love you. Thank you for today's message. It's changed our lives. And we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, looking forward to seeing you around the Victory Life Church online platform. Hey, don't forget, Jubilee's coming. 
get ready, get prepared, set aside some time, start praying, start setting aside some finances. We'd love to have you either on the online broadcast where you can serve and help others. Our goal is 15,000 people being broadcast during Jubilee. Lots has got to happen. Be sure to click on the events banner. Be sure to click on the giving banner. You can help get ready for Jubilee. If you don't know what Jubilee is, ask in the chat room. We'd love to see you there. Thank you so much for joining us here at Victory Life Church Online. We look forward to seeing you again soon. You be blessed.